Welcome everybody to a Wednesday edition of Texans All Access. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst and sideline reporter for your Houston Texans. And we have got a ton for you tonight. We're going to kick off the show here in just a little bit with a little in the lab that Drew and I did talking about unheralded players the Texans have had that have made a significant impact, even if they were underappreciated, if you will. Then in our second segment, we're going to have Drew Doherty stop by. He's got a number of Drew's dozen. He sits down with a number of players and pokes and prods and asks the questions really only, well, Drew can ask, to be honest with you. And then we'll finish up going around the league. But like I said, we're going to kick off tonight's show with a little discussion that we had motivated by former Texan Sean Cody. John, we are about a month away from training camp beginning, maybe a month, four or five days. Yeah. It's be fun. There will be about seven open practices for fans. That announcement of which dates specifically, that's coming out in the next few weeks, but going to be some open practices. Should be cool. Uh, haven't had that since 2019. There's going to be a night practice too, we think, which we haven't seen since 2015 when yeah. uh, HBO cameras were here. So looking forward to that. There's a different, it's a different type of heat later in the day. Uh, and I like it better. It's not as humid typically, um, typically. When, you're, <laughs> when you're doing it in the afternoon as opposed to during the morning. But, you know, hearkening back a few hours ago, I did a one-on-one Zoom with our good pal, Sean Cody, the nose tackle. And it's part of a series where we've started up. It's called, Where Are They Now?, John, or excuse me, Mark caught up with Tony Banks about a week or so ago. Yep. I had some fun stuff from him. So I thought, I haven't talked to Cody in a year. Let's get him going. It's been too long. And we had a nice conversation. It was really, really fun to hear from him. As, uh, as I would not be surprised to hear, and I'm sure you won't either, the guy is going to be opening a restaurant soon. He completed yeah. – a restaurant management training program, which is awesome. And uh, he's going to be doing that. He also is the color commentator for USC football on the radio. Just started doing that last year. And he was doing radio stuff with USC before that. But uh, it was it was good to see him, good to hear from him. And we'll have that whole conversation up on the website and on the, the mobile app here soon. But it's always fun talking to Sean Cody, John. Yeah, I, you. I, I'm a little envious in some sense that you got to spend time with Sean Cody and I didn't get into the building until after he was gone and the few years that he was here, I was actually doing overnight radio. So I was on a completely different life plan, if you will, than, than uh, 98, 99% of the uh, living, uh, the people living in the United States at that point. I mean, third shift is not, it's not for the faint of heart. Point being, I'm always envious when you talk about Cody, because I always feel like he is one of the, um, he's maybe got one of the greatest personalities I've seen of anybody come through this building. Yeah. Just listen to you talk about him seeing on the nose. I mean, he was, he was perfect and he was destined for something in media. We, we knew that had a feeling, but I love the fact that he's connected with USC. It's funny because that's how a lot of guys I connect back to is because of their college days. And I just think back to when uh Desi and Sean Cody we're all on the offensive line together, defensive line, the wild bunch too at USC. I mean, it was really a fun group to watch. And then he comes in the league. And I always remembered him because he always had a big SC tattoo on his arm. That always stood out to me. And he was just – For Sean Cody. Be, it stood for Sean Cody. Right. It stood for he Southern joked. California. But, but he would yeah, joke I about mean, it worked either way. 
Yeah. I mean, it worked either way, uh, yeah. which, which I think is, is hilarious, but he was also, I felt like one of the more underheralded, underheralded, underappreciated, underrated players that Texas have had in their history. Look, we've talked about the, the Mario Williams and the DeAndre Hopkins and JJ Watson, Dwayne Browns over all these years. But there's always a group of players that we know, look, they're not going to get these things done without these guys. These are the, the guys you don't hear a lot about. Luckily for Cody, we did get to hear from him because he was so good with a mic in front of him. He was so good with the camera. So we did get to hear from him. But I don't think people truly voiced how much they appreciated his play and how valuable he was to the Texas defense in those uh, glory years, however you want to call it, but he was incredibly valuable. Uh, and I'm glad you got a chance to catch up with him. And hopefully we'll hear that on radio someday. If not, we're definitely going to hear it on the podcast for sure. Oh, you're going to hear it on both. It's funny you bring it up unheralded because it wasn't until he got to the NFL that he became unheralded. I mean, he was, he was the Pac-12, well, yeah. Pac-12 defensive player of the year. The year yeah. he was a captain of their national championship squad. I mean, yeah. he was the alpha dog. I mean, he, when he was coming out of high school, yep. Pete Carroll got him to commit to USC, and it was an upset at the time. People thought Cody was going to go to Notre Dame, and Cody kind of started a wave of oh yeah, really high talent, high end talent coming into Southern Cal, and they were able to you know capitalize and win that title and play for a few others. But yeah, he he got here, and I mean, I think he was he was injured coming into the league, so you never saw like what you'd seen from him in college, but he's still very, very valuable. Like you bring, bring up. And that's kind of what we're talking about today. We're going to each chit chat about two or three unheralded underappreciated Texans. I think by the, the fan base and maybe the media at large, I think their teammates appreciated what they did. And yeah, of course, Cody Great played point. nose tackle. You could probably put every single nose tackle ever, ever played <laughs> uh, into that conversation because yeah. Those guys are universally yeah. respected by their teammates for all the, the dirty work they do. But so you got Cody and there's, this is not a scientific ranking by any means. This is just no. guys who come to our mind. You say, Cody, I'm going to say a tight end who basically, if you take Owen Daniels out of the equation, he leads the Texans tight ends historically in just about every category. It's Joel Dreesen. Yeah. That guy was, he was very solid, you know, always filled in in a pinch, you know, it was very, very capable. The times that Owen Daniels was injured, he could long snap for you, which he did a bit in 2009. I think there was, you know, because he, he did it and a few other guys did it that season. Texans wanted some stability. So that offseason, they brought in John Weeks. But in the yeah. meanwhile, he handled his business and did a good job with it. But Dreesen was a guy who really added a lot to this team. He was a good teammate off the field. He kind of, you know, broke things up in the locker room. He was actually the original choice to be the host of on the nose. We would have called it something oh, differently, wow. but Dreesen was like, <laughs> yeah. no, I'm, I got to be focused on my play. I've got to take care of business. Cody just has to focus on the A gap and the B gap and that's it. So <laughs> that was his joke. But man, you look back at the stats as I pull them up here on profootballreference.com. you know, Dreesen was very, I will forever remember Dreesen just being but naked wide open off those, those rollouts off of a play action pass that yep. we saw so many times with the Gary Kubiak offense. And it, a lot of times it felt like he was the beneficiary of that. You know, he comes in the league in 20, 2005 with the jets, but he's out of football in six or 06. He doesn't play in 06, but from 07 through 11, he was here with the Texans. It's five seasons. And 
he would average about with us 12.6 yards a, a catch. That's good. He had 13 touchdown catches in those, those five seasons, six of them in 2011, the year Owen Daniels was out a little bit. Actually, he was in all year, but that was a year Andre Johnson was out yep. and, and Arian Foster, they were out a lot and they yep. missed a lot of time. So you really relied on the tight ends that year and Dreesen and Daniels helped carry the load. But I'm going with Joel Dreesen as one of my undervalued, underappreciated by the community at large, not necessarily within the team, guys. And underappreciated at the mic. We used to have him yeah. uh, at a former radio station that I was on. We had a three-man rotation between David Anderson, Tim Bowman, and Joel. And some of the best radio we did was with, with uh, JD and with David and Bowman. I mean, Bowman was so underappreciated from, I mean, he was so funny. And, but he's, I don't think he's been around here long enough. My, my next one is a guy that I loved coming out of college. I was shocked when he went in the seventh round. And it was the very first draft that I was in the building for. And I was shocked he went in the seventh round. And I'll never forget getting him on for an interview that day. Trey Howe was just. Yeah, good one. He, his run of emotion was just all over the place. It's a good one. Because he, he was ticked that it took so long. But he was excited because it was Houston. He was excited to be drafted. But then he was like, I'm going to show everybody that passed on me. And so in 2014, as a rookie, they kept him at corner. That's what he played at Vanderbilt. They played him at corner. In 2015, he transitioned over to safety, and that's when it really kind of took off for him. Now, I do think at corner, he probably could have been a solid player. But moving over to safety with his ball skills, his smarts, um, his tackling ability, he just made, I mean, big play after big play. I mean, I, I just... I think about in 2015 going to Jacksonville, I've got the, the photo you know, blown up and hung up on my wall is pick six at Jacksonville, but he had a pick earlier in the game down on the goal line the other way that saved the touchdown. So he had two picks in that game. He has the pick six in 2016 when the Texans are making that comeback against the Colts on a Sunday night, he had a huge sack of Andrew Luck after Lamar Miller's amazing touchdown which talk about underappreciated wherever we talk about the game we always forget about Lamar Miller's touchdown which is amazing Andre Howell I think on a second or third down came up and sacked luck and it forced the Colts to have to punt back to the Texans they then were able to score with CJ Fedorowicz down the seam and tie the game but it was Andre Howell making that big play and you know 2018 when we went to Jacksonville it's interesting because it eventually was overshadowed by Deshaun going on the bus but Andre Howell is playing his first game since overcoming cancer. And I'll never forget, I was about 30 seconds from doing my pregame hit with the guys back in studio. And he started jogging around the field. And I caught his eye. He caught mine. And we both just kind of smiled. And I just gave him the biggest hug. Just like, man, this is so cool. But I don't know that we really appreciated how good and steady he was. And we really missed him when he left, when he decided to walk away from the game in 2019. I mean, we just, we really, really missed having him in the back end because mm-hmm. I think Andre Howe with Justin Reed in particular would have made for a pretty solid combination in 2019 for sure. And it probably would have saved some of the issues that we've had at safety since. Um, so I think Andre Howe definitely fits in that category under unheralded. I keep saying underheralded, sorry, underappreciated unheralded. I think Andre Howe fits in that category, but he will never be underappreciated by this guy uh, flapping his gums right now because I loved him. He was great. That is a good one. 
Okay, I'm going to go with a one-year guy. He played here two years, but in 2009, before this guy got to town, the Texans were really – they were reeling defensively. Yeah. I mean, it was it, it was a bloodbath. They gave up – in the first game, they gave up 24 points to the Jets, and they only scored seven. Then the next week, they went on the road and won, but they gave up 31. Come back home, they give up 31 to the Jags and lose. And I think he got there the next week or the week after. And I'm talking about Bernard Pollard. So that 2009 season, he was really good for the Texans. He, his first game played was uh, against Oakland because he was inactive against Jacksonville, but they brought him in from, he'd been with the Chiefs to start his career. But he comes in, gets four tackles, um, five total, really. And then he just sort of takes off once, once November rolls around. Double-digit yeah. tackles in you know, the, the, you know, four of the final seven or eight games. Gets four interceptions the rest of the way. Forces some fumbles. He blocked a field goal, I believe, at Miami. Really made an in- impact. And, you know, he was, he was very good that season for the Texans. It didn't go well for him in 2010. Didn't go well for a lot of guys the next year. Anybody, but- yeah. Exactly. Bernard Pollard was he was a key reason and one of the reasons, not the main one, but one, certainly an important reason that the Texans were able to get over the hump and get to 500 from 08 to 09 because that was the first year they, they got to 500 in 09. Yep. He was a big reason why they were they were bleeding a lot uh, defensively and it got better the rest of the way once he got to town. Yeah, he, boy, he was fearless. Yeah. I mean, he was he was fearless at the mic too. I mean, he didn't mind saying a few things yeah. to to ruffle some feathers. Uh, I find it interesting that we've all we've gone on the defensive side of the ball um, because I had a, I had another guy that I was going to say on the on the now you did go Joel Dreesen, but um, I you know talk about Sean Cody, Andre Howe. Yeah, who's uh, your third? Who's your third? My my next one was actually it was going to be Quentin Demps because he's a good one. They, yeah. That's a I think QD, a QD was fantastic. And it was funny because I remember 2015. So he had been here, then left. And I that kind of bridged the gap between me being here. So I get here in 14. He gets back in 15. So I think it was like the third week of training camp, he comes in. And I, he can tell during the first four or five days, like, wow, he's got a shot to make this team not only to make this team, to be a player on his team. And then he made big plays throughout. I mean, he forced the fumble on Monday Night Football against the Bengals on A.J. Green uh, late in the game that got the ball back to the Texans so they could solidify that win. I mean, he, you know, had and then the picks, my goodness, he just went off the next couple of years with picks. He could be a little surly, but if you got to know him a little bit, I remember one time I said, I said something, I can't remember what it was. Oh, I know what it was. I had mentioned something about adding to the safety group, not adding because it was taking somebody away or that the safety group was bad. I just think they needed some depth. And so I, I wrote something about it, and he found me in the locker room and made, <laughs> made a comment to me about it. And I was like, uh, okay. Um, so I'm gonna, I won't say that one, even though I just talked about him. I think a guy that stepped in the offensive line that I used to love, and he played hurt so often, uh, Mike Brizel, good one. It so you know we we all know about Chester, and we know about Dwayne and you know Chris Myers. There's so many people that we know about from that offensive line, but to me Brizel was kind of the glue that held it together. He was tough, but he was really really good in the zone game. 
And man, he would cut the backside, which you can't do much of that stuff anymore. But back then, it's so funny to go back and watch a Texans game and you just see guys, defensive linemen, feet flying in the air, linemen go to the ground. You don't see that. You can't really do it anymore. But he was so good. I mean, so good between Winston and Myers. And I feel like he, he was unheralded. I do think that he was appreciated. I think people did appreciate what he brought. But I think they talked about the offensive line. And like, oh, yeah, Myers and Winston. And I think he was always the guy that was forgotten. Yeah. In some sense. And it just kind of coincided with Dwayne's game going to a different level, Wade Smith going to a different level. Um, and then Bryzel stepping in there and doing the things that he did. I thought he was, I thought he was fantastic. So I'm going to say Mike Bryzel and under my breath, Quentin Demps. That's a good one. You know, and Bryzel also, he got hurt by the, as far as people are remembering, he got hurt. He was injured a few times. And so he would yeah. miss, he'd miss chunks of games and, there are big guys like Charles White in there for him. So, you know, when he was in there, though, that that five-man unit of Brown, Wade Smith, Chris Myers, Bryzel, and Winston, that's the best offensive line this team's ever had. So yeah. that's, what the, that's what the standard is, at least for the Texans, that they're trying to get back to and then surpass. Yep. But, yeah, that 11 unit and for part of 10 as well was a good one. I'm going to stick with the offensive line. Let me go with a guy who's still playing. And he was drafted out of Georgia – the, the draft after the Texans had first gone to the playoffs. So the 2012 draft yep. um, didn't think nobody thought too, too much of him. He was a, uh, a fourth round pick 99th player overall out of Bibb County, Alabama. <laughs> We're talking about Ben Jones. So ben Jones oh, comes in and, you know, early on, that's the guy that uh, he drank a, a water, a, a cup of, of spa, you know, hot tub water. At, yeah. on a dare and he ate a cockroach on a dare and he walked around on his bare feet still does uh pre-game on the grass so he's just kind of the, the goofy country kid i remember one time i was trying to interview him for like the second time he's like i can't talk to you and i was like what do you mean i can't talk to you? he's like because they find me every time i'm on camera because of something stupid i say because of my accent and so <laughs> he was always he was always there was always something funny to him but then the season comes around he played in every single game. He started, he wound up starting 10 of them at right yeah. guard because, wow. you know, the Texans were still trying to figure things out. And for that season, he was a starter at right guard and Derek Newton was a starter at right tackle. And it was Newton's second year. And it was his first year to really start because Newton had just been a jumbo package guy yeah. or yeah. You know, special teams guy. But that right side of the line, they, they held the line for the right side uh, for, for the most part. Wasn't as good, obviously, as the Winston Brizel combo, but they were, they were so young and they were still good. The next year, is 2013 starts once plays a lot 2014 they switch him over to the left side because chris myers is still there he yep. plays every game starts every game at left guard 15 rolls around starts every game at center yep. so he basically played all three interior spots with uh shoot 32 42 starts and you know three seasons of playing a whole lot i mean he was really good he was really valuable and i know he's he's not bruce matthews but he's started every single game since 2016 so when, when he signed with Tennessee at center. I mean, this is a valuable guy. He's coming up on his 10th year in the league. Wow. That's really amazing. good player. He, he was so much fun. Brilliant, brilliant mind. I mean, just whip smart, both football and off the field. Really yeah. funny guy. He's, he's one of my underappreciated guys. You could use and you could use a guy like that around still. Uh, so Ben Jones, he's he's one of my so he's my final choice there. 
That's a great point. And his camouflage suit that matched his suitcase yeah. when we on road trips yeah. was at a, it was at a completely different level. But that's a, that's a really, really, that's a good one. It's funny because yeah. I, you know, we didn't come up with any skill players. You I mean, you mentioned Joel. I should, I should say skill players. It's funny. I was, when we were doing an interview with, with James Campin, it was funny because it stood out to me because he started talking about perimeter players. And I chuckled and I said, you can tell you're an offensive line coach because you don't refer to <laughs> what everybody else calls skill players. What are offensive linemen players. not skilled? Yeah, it's yeah, a good exactly. point by Campin. Exactly. Really and so I've thought about that for a long time. And so I always, I always, I would call them perimeter players, but uh, because of that, I've thought about that for a long time, but he reminded me of that. But the perimeter players, I think for the most part, they've gotten the acclaim, the just do. I think if you would throw one perimeter player in that mix, I think because he sort of bridges the gap between Dominic Davis, Dominic Williams, through to Arian Foster, and that's Steve Slayton. Yeah. If Slate's going to stay healthy, it would have been scary to see what he could have done, but he just couldn't stay healthy. Uh, yeah. But man, that 2008 year when he was a rookie, well, he was at a different level. Sure but was. I think people appreciated him for it. But looking back, you say, hey, who are the great running backs? It's, oh, Arian Foster, Dominic. I guarantee you they don't mention Steve Slayton. But in 2008, he was as good as he got as a rookie, man. He was unbelievably good. He sure was. 09 was rough because of the, the nerve damage and he had the fumble yeah. issues. But the thought was going into 2010, well, he gets that fixed. And remember, people, there were people that were saying, well, it's going to be Slate and Tate in 2010. Because yeah. <laughs> Texans yeah. took Ben Tate in 2010. Well, Arian Foster had a little bit to say about that. And, oh, and thank did. goodness he did. I mean, Arian was, was an amazing back and uh, fun guy to cover. But, yeah, that's a good one. Steve Slayton is a good – we could do it. Maybe one of our next in the labs is one year – I don't want to say wonders, but one year kind of anomalies or guys that really flourished in one year here with the Texans because yeah. there are quite a few. It's a good one. Yeah. yeah, definitely a few for sure. John, it's always good to talk with you. Like I said, keep your eye out for that Cody interview. We've also got one that, that we've talked about on air a bit. Uh, Gary Kubiak, we went to his ranch up northwest of here, about an hour outside of town, had a fun time talking with him. He's going to be the, yep. or the, the, the focus of a Texans 360 coming up in the weeks to come. So uh, make sure you'll check that out. and It's going to be a good one. Sound good? Sounds good, man. I'm looking forward to that for sure, man. I'm very, I'm envious. I don't like to say that, but I'm envious that you and Coach Goobs got a chance to get together, man. He is, he's another guy at my, my top of my list that I would like to sit down and talk some ball with. That uh, you guys got a chance to do that, and I didn't. So, yeah, maybe, maybe jealous, envy. I don't know. That's one of the are those two of the deadly sins. I don't know, but chalk them up for me with Coach Kubiak. I'd love to meet and talk with him. We get back. Drew is going to stick around for a little Drew's dozen with. A few offensive linemen, namely Titus Howard and Rod Johnson. That's next at Texas Alexis. Welcome back to this wonderful Wednesday evening, a Texas All Access edition from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I'm your host, John Harris, and we just had Drew Doherty on with me, doing a little in the lab, talking about unheralded and underappreciated players, and most times... I think fans would say that about the offensive line. We mentioned a couple offensive linemen in our discussion from Texans past. Well, how about Texans future, well, present and future, and Titus Howard and Rod Johnson? Well, Drew got down and dirty with a dirty Drew's dozen with Titus Howard and Rod Johnson. Let's hear first from a third-year offensive lineman 
former first rounder Titus Howard. Many of your teammates say that you are the funniest Houston Texan. Why do they say that? Because I like, I, I joke on people a lot. <laughs> I just like compare what people look like to like stuff I've seen and stuff like that. And that comes from like the school I went to because all my teammates back in college, all we did was like joke on each other and like make people laugh and stuff like that. So that's what I do. Like when I see somebody and they got they looking funny, like I just joke on them <laughs> and like just try to make everybody laugh and like just have a good time. So you kind of spread the wealth as far as joking on people, or is there somebody in particular that you get time and time again? Uh, I spread the wealth on everybody. You, a lot of people have you as the funniest Texan. Who who do you think is your funniest teammate? Funniest teammate. I ain't gonna lie. I gotta I gotta go with. I got to go with Brandon Dunn, pretty funny. He's, he's the <laughs> DJ of the locker room, too. <laughs> Dunn is hilarious. <laughs> he's, he's pretty funny. Has he ever gotten you with anything good? Yeah, man. If you say some some off-the-wall stuff and he catch you saying it, he going to let it be known to everybody what you said. <laughs> <laughs> and let's just let you know it's not pretty. <laughs> All right. How about favorite comedian? Who's your favorite comedian? Favorite comedian, you got to be either Cat Williams or Kevin Hart. They're both little people, so like the stuff they do is like pretty funny, and both of their all their movies are pretty funny to me. And their stand up comedy shows are funny. Speaking of Kevin Hart, did you see that video of him watching his high school basketball highlights on ESPN? I haven't seen that one, but I know I was I was laughing at the video where where him and The Rock had made a video saw each other when The Rock had the chain and stuff around his neck. Kevin Hart trying to make the video to respond to him. That'd be hilarious. <laughs> Okay, what song are you singing in the car to your wife these days? Back when we did this about a year ago, it was Let It Be, that, uh, the, the duet. But what are you singing to her now? Because you got a good I, voice. I say Best Part by her and Daniel Cesar. It's, it's, a, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a girl singing a song, but it's, it's one of her favorite songs. So when she plays it, I always sing to her. All right, I said I wasn't going to make you sing, but how does it go? Can you just sing it for me for a little bit? I can't see that one. <laughs> I can't see that. No. <laughs> I can't see that. It's just you and me and then a bunch of you know thousands of people that'll watch this later on the <laughs> internet, man. <laughs> no. You know what, dude? All right, I won't push you on it. I won't push you on it. <laughs> no, not over here. I hear you. I hear you. Okay. Yeah. Which teammate do you lean on the most? If I had to say which teammate I lean on the most, probably would be Laramie. How come? What just because of his experience, his greatness, all that stuff? Position and the the level that he play at is somewhere I want to be. So if you got somewhere you want to be, why not learn from one of the best in the league? And he rated down my team, so I got the you know ability to just go ask him, hey, how you see that? How you do this? What you see? What I do? How can I create this? This this and that? You know, he always you know give me his advice, and if I want to work out with him, he show me some stuff he'll do it. So. That'd probably be the guy I lean on the most. That's awesome. That's a great resource to have as a, a young player in the league, really as an old player in the league, to, to have him near you. That's really cool. So if he's the guy you lean on the most, do you also do like he, him on, on a game day? And do you listen to Sade, No Ordinary Love, to get ready for a game? Because that's what he listens to. Did you know that? I, bro, if you want to talk about music and the, the, the different varieties, of music that someone listened to. Laramie listened to some of the craziest music I ever heard of. You just see him like on Instagram sharing like his different songs for the week and stuff like that. Like he got a, a, he got a pretty pretty big list of music he listened to. I don't listen to as much music he does. 
No. Do you listen to anything on game day to get ready, or how do you get ready for a game? I'm going to tell you, to be honest, like, when i on game day, I really don't, like, listen to that much music. Like, what I do is, like, when we have, like, a big break or something like that, I like to, like, get my mind off the game or something. I always, like, go to one of, like, my favorite TV shows. Try to get my mind off the game so I can get completely focused. And then when it's time, like, to play a game, I'm just – I'm ready to go. I just turned to one of my favorite TV shows and I probably last, like, 20 or 30 minutes of it. I'm a big Grey's Anatomy fan. So Really? Grey's Anatomy, yeah. huh? I watch one of my favorite TV shows and then sit there for, like, 20, 30 minutes, then take it off and then probably talk to a couple of the guys and – read my notes a little bit. Like when they get time to crunch time, I read a couple of my notes before the game, then I'm ready to go. That's great. I, it's always interesting hearing your stories about how you get ready because everyone's is different. You you just told yours. We heard about Tunsil and Sade. Brian Cushing used to throw up in the locker room in a really violent manner, like in front of everybody in this one track. Like everybody does it in a different way. And it's always interesting to hear that. So I played with like guys who, who like just – was just sitting in that locker and wouldn't talk to nobody at all. And mm. just like, you just talk to them, they like they don't hear you. Like, it's, it's always like kind of interesting to see how people get ready for their games because like everybody's different. Whatever works for you, that's what you do. And you just got to be consistent with that. Okay, let's go back to when you played quarterback. Describe to me your greatest single quarterback highlight. What happened? I got to say my greatest highlight would be my last game playing quarterback. What happened? My mom, my brother, was down at my last game. I was playing against – my younger brother played against – played at another high school than me. He's a year younger than me. So I got a chance to play him as my last game in high school. He had been talking all type of crap all week. Oh, yeah, he played linebacker there. So <laughs> if you ain't getting no yards against us, this and that. Like the third play of the game – I, I run the zone read. I cut backside, go to the middle. I run him over, run my little brother. I'm talking like truck sticking and taking like 70 yards for like a touchdown. And I, I go in the end zone. I look at my brother, look at my mom. I'm like, yeah, you just saw what happened. And then after the game, he didn't even want to walk and talk to me because all game I had been talking crap to him after that play. And I ended up having 16 carries for 315 yards. My, my last high school football game was quarterback. Oh, my goodness. Please tell me there's video of some of this somewhere. You have video can, of this? I can get you some, some uh, film from that last game. Well, I'd love to see it. But if I were you, I'd have, like, that 70-yard run, like, as a gif and just send it to him every day and just mess with him. I mean, it's, that's every an amazing I, highlight. Every time I see him, he's like, man, I still can't believe you're old lineman. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's gold, man. That's hilarious. Okay, so let's say – who you are right now physically, everything you know right now mentally, if you were put back in your current your, – the high school where you went and you, they let you play in a game, what positions would you play and what would happen? If I'm the size I am right now? The strength, the size, everything. If I'm the size I am right now, I would be playing O-line, D-line. I would – the guys I played in high school, I would be murdering them. Oh, <laughs> my <laughs> Because I was like some somewhat bigger than some of my linemen in high school. I was taller. I, would, I didn't weigh as much as them, but I was like taller than them. I probably would have been like a five star, probably top ranked player in the nation coming out of high school right now. 
There you go. I always love asking that question because you get some good stats that are thrown out and, and some fun scenarios that happen. So yeah, that's good stuff. What was your first job ever? My first real job ever was working at this place called Wild Wings. I, I cooked wings in the back, prepped the wings. Sometimes they made me wash dishes and stuff. And then after that, I ended up working at a car wash for a while. And I just washed cars. And that was, I worked at my car wash, I think, right before my senior year of college football. I washed cars, like, just to, like, get money over the summer and stuff like that. And I did that before the season started. And then I had to quit when the season started. And then they say, no, I have a good season. I'm here where I am now. So I'm just grateful for, for everything, to be honest. So does that mean you have a very clean car at all times now? What, what, how's that work? Oh, yeah, I got to keep my car clean. I pay a guy to come out to my house and, and, and clean my car because I have to have my car clean. I, I hate running around in a dirty car. Uh, well, I won't let you look inside mine. It looks kind of like a dumpster at times. I've got four <laughs> children, so it's, it's kind of tough. But, uh, yeah. yeah, I like clean cars, too. I just uh, – I'm not able to get it clean as, as much as I'd like. What was your first car though? When you were, when, when did you have a first car? What was it? Now you're going to laugh, but as big as I am, my first car was a Hyundai Elantra. Oh, okay. So I, I, I had to get the seat uh, did so they can move it all the way back and nobody can sit behind me in that car. <laughs> it was a, it was a four seater, but in, in, when I was in it, it was a three seater. It was a three seater. Cause you're, yeah. So did you kind of have to fold yourself into that thing? I had to drop down and get all in it. But I know everybody used to always laugh when I pull up and they'd be like, man, you way too big for that car. Because <laughs> I got out took a picture in front of it and I, I was like a giant standing in front of the car. We all have interesting first car stories. Mine, so I'm old. Uh, and back in the mid-90s, I got an Oldsmobile 98 from 1984. And I think this was like the biggest car ever made. I mean, this is like two velour couches on wheels. This is an enormous car, but it was old. So yeah, we all have interesting first car stories. Oh man, I think mine was a Toyota Tercel. I believe that was my first one. I heard somebody the other night say that on TV, said his or her first car was a Toyota Tercel. It's a good car. Thing was, is we got it and it was tiny and yet it was bigger than any car that my friends had in high school. So they all used to bum rides from me. Uh, speaking of offensive linemen that don't need to bum rides anymore. Rod Johnson also stopped by for a little Drew's Dozen. Here we go. We're going to get things going with, if you were an animal, which animal would you choose to be? Let's do rabbit. I'll, I'll be an elephant. An elephant? How come? I don't know. I just, they're, just they're big and dominant, but they're, 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 they're still sweet, too. They are. Brilliant, brilliant animals, too. I mean, I guess because the brain's so big, right? Very brilliant animals. That's the great word to use. Brilliant animals. So an elephant would be the choice. Okay, switching gears. Who is your funniest teammate? Titus Howard. Titus Howard. I've heard that before. Why don't you explain why? How come? I don't know. It's just the way – it's not what he says. It's how he says it and all kinds of things. But it's just his personality. He's such a funny guy. He's a funny, funny human being. You see, I can't even say his name without a straight face. Yeah, I, 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 could, I could see that. He's also one of the best interviews. So there's, there's always a fun time when we – as are you. But uh, it's always a fun guy to talk with. <laughs> What is the grossest food, in your opinion? Beets. Beets? Can't eat beets. You would not be buddies with Dwight Schrute from The Office, would you? Can't do beets. And you know we have beet juice going around here as, as nutritional performance. You can, I pass. 
Yeah, I'm with you. I wouldn't drink, drink beet juice either. I'm not into that. Do you watch The Office? Have you ever watched The Office? That show? I, I'm, I'm quite familiar with it. I'm not as fond as you about it, but I've seen a couple of episodes. <laughs> Let's talk about this. Let's say you win a game at NRG Stadium on a Sunday. It's a noon game. Afterwards, what's the perfect post-game meal? You can't go wrong with a good burger after a game. It really yeah. doesn't matter from where, but a good burger. A good burger would always do the job. And what do you put on that good burger? Barbecue, too. This, this is a multi-answer question. Okay. I like a good burger and a good barbecue. A good pork beef rib or something like that, too. Beef ribs, huh? What are the sides when you get, get the beef ribs? Uh, baked beans, mac. You got to have a whole spill. Baked beans, macaroni, maybe a little collard greens. And sometimes you got to get a peach cobbler to end it off. Man, I ate a chicken Caesar salad for lunch, and that thing is I'm, not I'm going sorry to hear that. now. You just made me hungry. but I'm so sorry to hear that. That's all right, Rod. I'm not mad at you. Pre-game music. What are a few songs that, that you listen to? Are, is there a set list? Does it vary? What's it like when you're getting ready for a game music? It's very not really sad, but it's kind of upbeat, you know, hip-hop, R&B, but definitely like Future and Meek Mill and artists like those for sure on my, on my, on my ears. Okay, so you're not like Laramie Tunsil. You don't play Sade pregame. Okay. Oh, no, no. I have to save Sade for after the game. <laughs> to call, to bring you down, huh? Yes, I save Sade for after the game. The Quiet Storm is a post game. Mm-hmm. There you go. Planet that you'd most like to visit. Why not go to Mars? Okay, how come? I don't know. I'm not too fond about Venus or Uranus or anything, but I like just Mars. There may be some stuff going on Mars already that we don't know about. Hey, and if it's not already, it's going to be soon, right? I mean, that seems seems like it's trending that way. Yeah, yeah. I like it. Okay, what would your career be if you were not playing football right now? I don't know. I tell the guys around here that I could be a a security guard, be a Walmart greeter. Yeah? I I could be a security guard at high school or anything like that, something like that for sure. Okay, let's give me your, give me your best Walmart greeter. Say I walk in, what would you say? Sir, where's your mask? <laughs> That's a go. I'm not wearing a mask, but I'm in my office. There's no one around and the door's closed. So I would, I would be masked up properly. That would, that would be my Walmart greeting. That's good. That's good. You're enforcing safety. I like that, Roderick. What's the app that you wish you could delete from your phone, but you just can't? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm team Twitter. Your team Twitter? Yeah. That's a good one. Twitter, Twitter's always a good laugh. Never disappoints me. Yeah. And it's like a news feed too. Kind yeah. Of keeps you, keeps you go, knowing what's going on in the world. Football aside, what do you most like being complimented on? What part of your personality, your skills, your trip? What do you most like being complimented on? I, think, I don't know. It's, it's, I, I find it funny or I like when people always say they always see me with a smile on my face. I like that for sure. I like that. Brings, yeah. bring, bring, I bring the joy to other people. So hopefully it's contagious. What was your favorite or who was your favorite solo artist or group musically when you were growing up, when you were a little kid? Back then, I was a, Wale, a big Wale fan. Still am, too, though. I like Wale. Wale. All right. Well, Roderick, hey, man, it's great to be with you on this. Best of luck in the offseason, and we'll talk to you again very, very soon. Sound good? Always good to see you, Drew. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks, Roderick. I'm not sure in my time here with the Texans that I've seen a player improve more than Rod has from getting into the NFL, joining the Texans a few years ago to where he is now. 
I think he's come a long way. I've told him that a few times. I think he has really improved his game. He's really sharpened it up. And I hated seeing him get hurt because he's had to deal with the rehab as opposed to just moving forward. But if there's anybody that's going to be able to do it, I think Rod Johnson will. And he is going to be a factor on this offensive line in 2021 and hopefully beyond. All right, we get back. Let's go around the NFL. Still stuff happening as we get near the month of July, training camp month. Oh, we'll talk about that next right here in Texas All Access. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to this final segment of this Wednesday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I am your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter, and so happy that the Rockets got picked number two. Whoo, man. I hope you guys had a chance to listen to Sean Pendergast uh, and Adam Spillane last night. They had a special show at 7 o'clock. Now, typically at 7 o'clock show is my man Tyler Milner doing a best of throughout the day on Sports Radio 610. But last night it was a special edition because of the draft lottery. And for those of you that have been paying attention, you know the Rockets had to finish in the top four to make sure they maintain that pick. If not, they fell all the way to 18. And thankfully, 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 they got pick number two. Yes, I know it's Texas All Access, but sometimes I like to go uh, off the grid, if you will. And you'll see where I'm going with this in a second. The Pistons, apparently, Kate Cunningham is that pick, and he should be the pick. I, I love him. Uh, he's Ben Simmons with a jump shot and the ability to score. But I saw a report saying that Jalen Green might be too physically imposing and talented for the Pistons to pass up. Now, a guy that in the NFL has been physically imposing and so much more talented than his brethren is Julio Jones. Well, head coach Arthur Smith of the Atlanta Falcons was on PFF, Chris Collinsworth podcast, and he said it was a win-win situation to trade Julio. Uh, what? Here's what Smith had to say, and I quote, we knew the issue with the cap, and then obviously the cap went down this year, coming off the bizarre year with pandemic. pandemic. The cap actually shrunk, so we knew there were going to be some big decisions we would have to make coming up. The way everything worked out, though, we feel good. We feel like it was a win-win with salary cap and Julio going to Tennessee and us right now being able to solve our short-term issue with the cap. The Falcons in return got a second and a late-round pick swap in 2023. And if you think about it, if the Titans do what we think they're going to do, then that's going to end up being essentially an early third-round pick for Julio Jones. So Arthur Smith, cap problems. Ugh. It's a win-win maybe for Tennessee and Atlanta. I don't know how much it is for Atlanta. Yeah, I know people are like, oh, that second round pick, yay, as opposed to having Julio, but you get yourself financial trouble. That's the price you have to pay. Speaking of wide receivers potentially coming to the AFC South, Golden Tate, who I've always been a big fan of, lists three teams on his wish list that he would like to go to. One of them, is the Rams. Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup, Robert Woods. You throw Golden Tate in there. Ooh, it could get nice if it isn't already. The two other teams, oh boy. The Tennessee Titans, Indianapolis Colts. A.J. Brown, Julio Jones, and Golden Tate. Hey, I don't want any part of that whatsoever. So we'll keep an eye on that for the rest of the summer. But Golden Tate, probably not going to sign until training camp or somewhere during training camp. He's a vet. Teams know what they can do. 
Stay healthy, stay at training camp, and they'll make a decision when needed. But Golden Tate looking at two teams in the AFC South. All right, we'll be back tomorrow night. John McClain along with myself and Mark right here on Sports Radio 610. Appreciate you guys listening. We'll see you tomorrow, and as always, go Texans.